Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Wednesday edition Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin with you. Coming up, we'll visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. This hour, we'll talk baseball leading you into Rivs and BK. Air Comfort Service text line is open, 65780. Also want to get the Rhino Shield mic drops. I want to hear from you. We had the uh, the streaming game on Cardinals.com last night. A scoreless game that was defined by pitching. Austin Gomber and Jack Flaherty. Boy, those guys were really, and I mean really good, uh, last night. So what did you think of the uh, the telecast? As I told you with uh, Randy and Michelle, it was going to be uh, about three cameras. I was in the booth by myself with a microphone, and that was it. And it didn't matter. We had baseball back for you. The Cardinals wanted to do this. They had heard from you, and they said, we're going to go for it. We just want to get the games out one way or another. It doesn't matter. You want to see your favorite team. You want to see your favorite players. We're going to do whatever we can do to get that on the air for you. And it was awesome. Heard from so many people that just said it was great to see Bush Stadium. We understand that there's no fans in the stands. We get it. We don't care. We just want to see baseball. The early numbers this morning, we've heard maybe 100,000 people were streaming that game. It's pretty amazing. Gives you an idea. Hey, people miss sports. People miss Cardinal baseball. And thank you to all of you that uh, tuned in. And we're going to do it again tomorrow. We understand it's uh, inter-squad again tomorrow. When we find out the time, uh, we'll pass it along. And we appreciate you, the patience of all the fans, Cardinal Nation, and uh, the folks here in St. Louis. And the Cardinals did that. They didn't make any money on that. They just said, hey, we want to do it for the fans. We understand they're starving for baseball. Let's give them something to look forward to, a diversion. And we did it last night. We're going to do it again tomorrow. So thank you so much. The performance of Jack Flaherty, he was really, really good last night. For the most part. I mean, our our, our hitters really grinded. They didn't, they, uh, you know, I got into some some two-strike counts, and they they worked those counts either full or 2-2-3-2. So those at-bats were going too long. I had a couple quick innings, but, um, you know, our hitters, they grinded. That's... And that's a good sign, you know. If they're gonna if they're gonna be out there and they're gonna grind abs like that and uh, seventy five pitches through like you know four plus innings, that's I mean I'll, I'll take that. I'll take. I mean, but you know I, I could I gotta get ahead better. I gotta finish abs better. I think that's just gonna come with a little bit more time and seeing more hitters. And but again, it, it was good that you know our guys really grinded today. Well, that's what I thought. I thought velocity, Flaherty, really good. Some nasty sliders. You always know that's gonna come with Jack Flaherty. He was efficient for the most part, but the hitters did grind against him. Mike Schilt, after the game, well, who's your opening day starter? Should have actually announced it um, after our last workout, right after the workout, because I'd, I'd spoken to Jack about it and you know confirmed what he pretty much knew and we everybody knew. But yeah, so it's more within his rights to share it. Um, Jack will be our opening day starter and pitch like one today. What a shocker. Jack Flaherty, opening day starter. You got Adam Wainwright. You got Kim, you got Carlos Martinez, you got Hudson, you got Daniel Ponce de Leon, and you just might have Austin Gomber. He was, well, he might have been better last night than Jack Flaherty. So what's his role coming up? I think, like, you know, with everybody, 
uh, just being flexible and being versatile is, is kind of what, you know, this season is going to be about. Um, it's going to be about, you know, guys doing stuff that they haven't typically done in the past. And, uh, you know, the season's going to be played a different way than it has been in the past. So I think as long as you're, uh, you know, you're just there and you're present and ready to do everything, knowing that every day could look completely different, regardless, you know, when it comes to testing. Some days, some guys might not be there, travel, stuff like that. So I think just, you know, trying to wake up, take it day by day. And just, you know, throw when you get the opportunity to throw. And that's exactly right. With testing, maybe with a guy that gets a positive test, has to leave seven to ten days before he can come back. You know, he's right. You're not sure how this season plays out. And you're going to have injuries. And that's where the Cardinals and their depth with their pitching can maybe be better than some of these other teams. They have six, seven, maybe eight starters. And that's where they can separate themselves. That's why I like this team. That's where I think they can get off to a good start. Now, if you're watching the game, you're saying, yeah, the pitching was really good, but where's the offense? I I, I just think the pitching was that good last night. Again, I understand your concerns may be with the offense. So Mike Schill was asked after the game, are the pitchers ahead of the hitters? I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, You know, indicative of, you know, the fact that we went six shutouts would maybe suggest otherwise, but... I really don't don't believe that. I think our hitters are in a good place. I think they've shown that. Um, we just did our debrief with our staff, and you know, candidly, you're talking about a group of guys that pitched very well today. You know, while on the subject, Jack, I thought he made pitches when he had to. Also, thought there was a lot of good at bats against Jack. You know, some balls were hit well, and guys took good at bats and took their walks and worked deep counts. And you know, I thought the we took a lot of good at bats against Jack, and, and of course he did his part to, to be able to make pitches and, and execute as well. And I thought Gomber was really sharp. Gomber was great last night, really impressive. I thought he had a great spring. I do have to wonder: is he edging closer to the rotation? Now that may not even be a question for the staff. I'm not privy to that. I get the Zoom calls like everybody else. Normal season, I get the chance to visit with Mike Schilt and Mike Maddox and some of the others. But again, it's a unique year, so you have to wonder where is the offense going to come from. I get asked all the time: the lineup, who's your leadoff man? I'm going with Colton Wong here initially, and Colton Wong and that offense. They're going to have to manufacture that offense, maybe early on obviously you know it's going to be one of those things where you never know where the other team's going to be you know you can only control you know your team and where everybody's at and just looking at the guys coming in everybody seems like you know they didn't just take this you know two two month break and just kind of hang out you know everyone's in shape everyone looks like they've been seeing pitches they've been seeing at bats like no one's really you know that far behind so i think uh yeah i think we're a good good position right now we've been working on our situations uh in the cage on the field you know everyone's trying to really lock it in even you know, in inner squats. We're trying to figure out ways to manufacture runs and just put up as much as we can. And that may be the way that this team scores runs this year. Who knows? But again, I'm going Colton at the top of the lineup. I'm just trying to, you know, lock it in and just figure out, you know, especially the first inning, you know, coming off the field, you know, trying to get my timing down to get ready. You know, I hate to be rushed, but sometimes, you you know, you're going to be rushed in situations. So just understanding how to control, you know, the uncontrollables and just, and go out and, you know, compete. You know, that's been my biggest thing since spring training is, you know, not trying to think too much, just understand that at the end of the day, man, if I just go out there and compete as hard as I can, um, you know, I'm going to be ready for anything. I'm thinking about this lineup right now. What about you? Colton Wong, maybe Tommy Edmond, Goldschmidt, Paul DeYoung, first crack at cleanup. After that, looking at a DH, maybe Matt Carpenter, mix and match out of that. It's going to be interesting how they decide to go with that lineup. One of the guys maybe in that fifth spot could be Tyler O'Neill. 
Thinking of Tyler O'Neill, listening yesterday to Ribs and BK, they had Enos Harris, who's a really good writer at The Athletic, gets into the analytics of the game. Analytics, it defines the game. So you're wondering about Tyler O'Neill. How does he project with analytics? Well, if you're into him, he is a star. And it's not just about how strong he is and the home runs. He's going to get a shot. He's going to be your left fielder. Tyler O'Neill is an athlete. Um, and the game seems to be kind of going towards these athletic uh, players. Tyler O'Neill hits the crap out of the ball. Um, he has biceps like you've never seen. Uh, he runs really fast. He's actually one of about five players that's top 10% when it comes to arm speed, like throwing uh, strength, uh, running strength, ability to hit the ball really hard. Uh, so he's a potential kind of five-tooler. The question has always been hit tool and making contact. So if he wins the job, that means he's making enough contact to take advantage of those prodigious tools that he has. So that's that's what I'd want for, for my team is that Tyler O'Neal uh, makes the team. That makes the whole team better. Um, it, it means that maybe Fowler and Bader can handle center. Uh, O'Neal can switch to left or right. And uh, Carlson can take a, a, another corner when he comes up. Because I do eventually think that Carlson has the best upside of any outfielder they have. Um, I've been really impressed with Carlson. And I think that he can really put together the hit tool and the power and the defense and really be a really good all-around player. But, you know, you want Tyler O'Neill to take a step forward so he can take advantage of that power. Uh, and it makes things a little bit easier around the diamond for you. Well, Dylan Carlson had a couple of more hits yesterday. And by the way, both of those were against Jack Flaherty. I get asked all the time about Tyler O'Neill. The Cardinals have cleared out space in the outfield as they traded away Jose Martinez. It seems like an eternity ago to Tampa Bay and others, um, you know, Randy Rosarena, some of the others to give him that spot in the outfield, not look over your shoulders saying, hey, this is yours, run with it. Well, the thing is, in a normal season, he probably would have gotten, let's say, 30, 45 games to ease into a season. Well, this is 60 games. How long do you get now? Maybe it's 10 to 15 games. And don't think uh, about other people. It's, It's yours to go with. Well, I'm not sure you can say that now because you also got to deal with Lane Thomas and Lane Thomas is also there nipping at your heels and you know, he's got talent too. Is it 10 to 15 games? Is it 20? Is it five? Who knows? It's a unique year sprint to the finish, but that's what makes this a lot of fun. As I mentioned in the crossover, Uh, And it was reported this morning now publicly by Rick Hummel of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. My broadcast partner and one of the best to ever do it, Tim McCarver, is uh, retired for this year. And I don't know if it's going to be for uh, forever, for uh, beyond uh, 2000 or uh, 2020 here. But uh, Tim uh, will not be broadcasting Cardinals baseball uh, this season and had a very emotional conversation with Tim yesterday's he gave me a call and it was on the advice of his doctor uh, to not travel to st louis um because of the the virus and tim is what i always have referred to as the john madden of a baseball the best that's ever done it he made you think made you think about things that you probably never think about in the game of baseball and he talks about uh all the time in his upbringing as a young man turning into uh, a great baseball player 
with guys like George Kissel that made him think differently about the game and then taught us as viewers about the game and how to think about situational baseball. And one of the great instances of, of doing that, I always go back to 2001 and one of the great stages you could ever be in. In Game 7, 2001 World Series, in the eyes of the country watching in one of the most uh, dramatic World Series after 9-11, the Yankees and the Diamondbacks in the series on the line and Luis Gonzalez at the plate. The one problem is Rivera throws inside the left-handers and left-handers get a lot of broken bad hits in the shallow outfield, the shallow part of the outfield. That's the danger in bringing the infield in with a guy like Rivera on the mound. Florida, center field, the Diamondbacks are world champions. Exactly what happened. Cutter in on the hands of Gonzalez. What does he do? Floater right over Derek Jeter. To have the guts to come out and say something like that. He never was afraid to say what was on his mind. And he'd say to me all the time, go ahead and say it. It, it It's not wrong. You, you could be right. You could be wrong. But it's an opinion. And he had the guts to do it. And the guts to make you think about the game. He's just an amazing man. He's one of my best friends in the world. It was an emotional conversation with him because he loves, absolutely loves baseball. He loves broadcasting. And he loves the St. Louis Cardinals, a part of those championship teams in the great decade of the 60s here in St. Louis. And as he told me, he said, you know, I came in in 1959 with a mask on, talking about being a catcher. And I'm not going to go out with a mask on, meaning now with the virus. Um, and it was a very emotional conversation with Tim. And I just love the man. He's, he's just one of the best people you'd ever meet. A man's man, if you will. And he loves being a part of this community and the baseball community here in St. Louis. And it meant so much to him a couple of years ago to go into the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. In his seasons in St. Louis, he was named to two all-star teams, finished second in the MVP in 1967. Please welcome a two-time World Series champ. Please stand, Tim McCarver. Boy, were those teams special. Those teams of the 60s. If you were lucky enough to have seen them play, we were really good. I mean, really good. I mean, you run out of superlatives when you talk about the men who have, with integrity, intelligence, and gritty determination, represented those remarkable teams. Kenny Boyer, our captain. Bill White who would eventually become the National League president. Dick Grote, the Duke All-American in basketball. Kurt Flood. Who took the first step toward free agency in the trade that Coincidentally, I was involved in after the 1969 season. 
And I've said this on many occasions, the guy that made our team click in 67 and 68 was Mike Shannon when he moved to third base from right field. If that doesn't happen, we don't win. Julian Javier, who to this day, I don't think he was ever taken out in a double play, ever. <laughs> the irrepressible Lou Brock. Lou, Lou, Lou. The incomparable number 45, Bob Gibson. The MVP that year, Orlando Cepeda, and I'll tell you how important, I'll tell you how important Orlando Cepeda was. Bob Gibson was starting at Shea Stadium in New York one evening. The bus was supposed to leave at five o'clock. Red said, the manager was seated in the first seat, as always, and Red said, Bussy, let's go. And Bob said, wait a minute. Is Orlando on the bus? And we all looked around and we couldn't find him. And Bob said, this bus isn't leaving without Cepeda. <laughs> it's your encouragement and support that makes us continue to want to come back for more and more and more. Thank you. I was so lucky to work with Tim again. He has decided to retire this year because of the virus. Taught me so much, taught all of us so much. He's one of my best friends in the world. Privileged to work with Tim McCarver, the best baseball analyst to ever do it. Thank you, Tim. Thank you so much. A visit with Brian Walden is coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. A Wednesday, and that means it's a chance to visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. And we get so much response when we visit with Brian because it's so much information if you love the game of baseball, whether it be on the amateur side, the minor leagues, or certainly Major League Baseball, and fans got their first look whether it be uh, you want it on TV or on the radio or streaming like we had last night on Cardinals.com. And, Brian, I, I know you took in the game. Uh, it was nice to see actual baseball back on your TV or streaming, wasn't it, last night? Dan, I really think today should be your day. I mean, <laughs> the, 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 you represent thousands and thousands and thousands of Cardinals fans, and hearing your voice and seeing those players on the field – was such a big deal. I almost feel guilty talking today because, you know, this should be your show. It was a, a great opportunity for folks to see, you know, the Cardinals players on the field last night and, and you helped bring it to us. Well, I appreciate that. And it was a special day. It was great to be uh, back in the booth. And um, I was texting with Mike Schilt uh, the other night, Brian, and I, I said, man, I miss the game. I miss everything about the game. And I miss the people too. And I, I got a chance to see the people. I know you feel that way too, as you travel around the minor leagues and covering uh, all the various stops along minor league baseball, you forget how much 
Uh, you miss the people throughout the summer, don't you? Just seeing those faces, you know, it might be just once a year, but man, you just miss seeing the people. That's the truth. And, you know, spring camp ended so early, minor league camp never even really got going. And, you know, now there's uncertainty about how the summer camp south in Springfield is going to be able to be handled just because of the resources. But as Mo told you last night, you know, they want to handle that camp uh, AAA-like. And so there'll be a, a thirst for news and for information that's going on with those games down there as well when they start probably in a, in a week or so What did you in take, terms of the games. Yeah, what did, what did you take away from the game last night? As you were watching, um, clearly no fans <clears throat> in the stands. We all know that. But you got a glimpse at Bush Stadium. You saw some of the different signage. Uh, you know, it was Bush Stadium. The lights were on. The, the guys were on the field. It was inner squad. What, what did you take away from the game? You know, I think all the, the questions about the, you know, crowd noise and some of that stuff is, is interesting and it's probably more important to the to the people who are really focused on that. But I, I mean, if I, I felt like I was like most fans, I was just wanted to see the players and the games. And the fact that there was only three or four cameras maybe, you know, they still had enough going on that you could see the, the plays on the bases or you could see the throws. And it, it felt really, really good to watch. In terms of how I felt about the play, I mean, you see six shutout innings of pitching and you, you realize, hey, the pitchers are, it looks like they're in a pretty darn good place right now. But, you know, post game, Mike Schilt sort of bristled when he was suggested that the hitters aren't uh, in a good place as well. He brought up the fact that there were a lot of good at bats against, you know, arguably one of the very best pitchers in the game in Jack Flaherty. And so, you know, he's not concerned. He, Mike Schilt, is not yet concerned about the offense. There's a lot of different guys in there. And, uh, you know, the regular lineup, there's a couple of guys who, who you know, haven't been playing yet. So, Yeah, I, I thought the at-bats against Flaherty, while I give Jack a lot of credit, I, I thought he was sharp, uh, and I'll get into Gomber here in a moment. I thought the at-bats against Flaherty were really good. He was getting ahead, but the Cardinal hitters grinded against him, and that's where you got to tip your cap. If you're the Cardinals on that side, the offensive side against Jack Flaherty, they grinded against him. And um, yeah, the, the, the pitching was good on both sides, but to grind against Jack Flaherty, one of the best in the game, um, that's to kind of borrow a cliche. That's where you tip your cap. Absolutely. And, you know, and we saw some of the, the younger guys uh, do well. O'Neill got a couple of hits, uh, made a nice play in the gap in the outfield. Uh, Ravello, uh, even Lane Thomas, who was 0 for 2, you know, went deep into the counts multiple times. And that's the kind of thing that the the offense needs to do against the opposing pitchers. Make them throw a lot of pitches and, you know, get into the bullpens. I, I am fascinated with Austin Gomber and more so this season than ever because you don't know if a, a player is going to test positive. So you, you've got to be pitching wise you got to have depth in your rotation specifically and got to have guys stretched out. And Gomber just fits that role perfectly because he could do either role. Starter, he could be a reliever. I, I just thought he was efficient, strike one, and quick. I mean, it took him, I think, Brian, either 10 or 11 uh, batters that he saw to go to a three-ball count. I mean, that's about as good as you can be at the major league level. That's right. I mean, he went through the lineup the first time, you know, one through nine in order, not till the second time did he actually even have a base runner. And I, the thing with Gomber that's clear is, you know, he always had the fastball. He always had the, the 12 to six wipeout curve, but his, he didn't have a dependable third pitch. And that's something you really need to differentiate yourself as a starter. And so he talked about the fact in 2018, when he was riding the Memphis shuttle, uh, Izzy taught him a cutter. 
and he started to experiment with that. And he said it kind of migrated to more to a slider last year. And over the winter, he used the analytics and the technology to help him, uh, Austin Gomber, decide, hey, should I focus on the slider or the cutter? And he's decided the slider. And he said last night was the, you know, the rare night where he had both his off-speed pitches working, his curve and his slider. He felt like he could throw them anytime he wanted. And that allowed him different pitch sequences because, let's face it, all these guys know one another really well. They know their tendencies. But as Gomber said kind of with a smile, they hadn't seen this me before. And, you know, that's a true differentiator for him if he can continue to throw that slider for strikes on top of his other offerings. Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com, my guest. Uh, let's get into some of the news. Jordan Hicks has opted out. Uh, no surprise here. I've said it from day one. I don't begrudge any player for personal reasons doing this. And you certainly don't begrudge uh, a young man that's a diabetic. He'll get his uh, prorated salary. He gets a year of service time. Um, and also we found out last night he was dealing with a little tenderness coming back from Tommy John, too. That's right. The fact that Jordan Hicks you know, came to camp, you know, he gave it a try. He, he was comfortable with the system. There wasn't any indication that he was, in fact, Mike Schild even, you know, commented that that Hicks said that he felt safe and felt comfortable, you know, in that environment, sort of in this little, you know, pseudo bubble that they have. But, uh, and, and Schild had avoided talking about Jordan Hicks's schedule publicly before, but last night he said that their schedule had been for Hicks to return on the 18th of August. That would be when he would be able to rejoin game action. But he had some inflammation after the last time he threw, and so they put him on a no-throw program basically, for a while until this inflammation could subside. Well, that pushed that August 18 date out into September. And so basically the, the Shield and the coaches came to the conclusion that Jordan Hicks's ability to really contribute this season really, really diminished to the point where the best thing for him is probably just to, to go home and, and you know, focus on his rehab and hit him hard in 2021. I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but – um, technically speaking, and you mentioned he's going to go home, but if he wanted to stick around in St. Louis, could he come to the facility and work out, let's say the team's on the road, could he come to the facility and get treatment and throw a bullpen if he wanted to do that, or is that something, if you opt out, you're away from the team, you're away from the facility? According to the operations manual, and by the way, I said go home, and that isn't what, what Mike Schild actually said was that he was going to go to a more private setting. So that may or may not be home. It could be Jupiter. But the operations manual for Major League Baseball makes it clear that those players who are, you know, restricted from playing and being involved with the team because of COVID are not allowed to, you know, be in the facility. So Jordan Hicks won't be in St. Louis. Gotcha. Um, we're still trying to figure out how this roster is going to take shape. Now, we know it's going to be 30 players in the onset. Um, probably 16 of those 30 players will be pitchers. There's still question marks with, let's say, Henesis Cabrera, uh, Giovanni Gallegos, Alex Reyes. Where do you think we're at right now in trying to set a rotation, a bullpen with Carlos Martinez maybe? Um, where do you think we're at right now with trying to set this uh, roster and in particular the pitching? Well, a lot of questions there, Dan. Not too many answers yet. Uh, the first point on the number of players, uh, Schild again said last night it could be 16, it could be 17 pitchers uh, out of the gate. But by giving him as many as 12 player pitchers in the bullpen, you know, that obviously gives him a lot of flexibility. Uh, so, you know, that's a positive on one aspect. But as you said, there are a total of five players out, including uh, the three pitchers that you mentioned that 
you know, we're expected to play a part on the major league staff and they're, they're still out. There's no, you know, time frame on when Gallegos and Reyes and Cabrera will be back. So one has to assume that, you know, given that we're getting down near the end of the camp and they're not in there throwing at all, that those guys, you know, can't be counted on to start the season. So that creates an opportunity for sort of the next tier of guys, uh, you know, the junior Fernandez's, maybe the Cody Whitley's uh, to, to get a chance potentially to start the season on the major league roster. But again, uh, as Mo explained to you very clearly last night, they start with 30 players the first two weeks, then they drop to 28, and then they drop to 26. So uh, we know, again, Mo was very clear that one of those extra players will probably be a catcher, and it certainly looks like Andrew Kisner has uh, you know, played exceptionally well and is getting good marks, so he'll be one of those. But they'll also you know, carry a few extra pitchers to help you know, tide them through the early weeks of camp. Uh, regarding Carlos Martinez, uh, I can only go by what I hear from the manager. Mike Schilt has been very, very clear on multiple occasions that Carlos Martinez spent the time and the effort in the offseason and in the break doing everything that they asked him to do to be ready, and that he, in Mike Schilt's view, Carlos Martinez deserves the opportunity to start. You know, we saw him in his, uh, well, we heard about him in his last outing, uh, you know, was very, very dominating, pitched very well. And so I believe that even though there's all this, concern about the bullpen rightfully so you know Carlos Martinez hasn't done anything to lose his opportunity to start which is something that he's very you know I said that he very much wants to do Cody Whitley Johan Oviedo also impressive do you think the club feels comfortable starting their clocks even in a a 60 game season Uh, that's a great question don't know it's going to come down to the you know the back of the bullpen and how comfortable they are about the options I mean the good thing that we've seen is that some of the guys who are back uh, you know, like a, like a web, uh, for example, uh, have looked very, very good. And so, you know, it's not as if the bullpen is completely decimated. And the, the question on their part will be, you know, will Oviedo and Willie, because Willie has AAA experience already and pitched in the Arizona Fall League. Oviedo is not. Oviedo has never pitched above AA. So, you know, they could be different decisions on those cases. But, you know, you would think that at some point in the season, we're going to see the guys, even if they're not there day one. Now, Neither one of those guys are on the 40-man roster, but even though Jordan Hicks was in the 60-man pool for this team, for this season, he'll be able to be moved off, and they'll be able to move another player into the 60-man pool, and they have two, uh, they potentially have two 40-man roster spots, which they could use on Oviedo and Whitley, but also they're going to keep a spot, I'm sure, for Dylan Carlson, if who if he doesn't make the team right away, will certainly be up uh, relatively soon. We saw a three-man umpiring crew last night, Major League umpires, and, and that's starting to now trickle into these Major League camps. Uh, 11 umpires have opted out, which is a sidebar to this, which gets overlooked. Um, as we get closer, and a lot of these umpires are older gentlemen, um, do you think we're going to see, see more and more of that happen as we get closer to opening day? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good question, Dan. I mean, about one out of every eight, because there's roughly 90 major league umpires, yeah. give or take. So, you know, roughly about one out of every eight umpire opted out, either for their own personal reasons or for a close family member. But, of course, the good news is that because there are no, there is no minor league season, there are plenty of, you know, competent AAA point, level, yeah. you know, cl- uh, trained umpires who are available. So there will certainly be enough umpires to work the season. There may be some different experience levels of some of the guys, but again, I, I don't think the umpiring is going to suffer. Now, I guess they're not going to have, uh, you know, instant replay this year, right? So that's one area that, uh, that will be a little different as well. That's a great point. Um, is any team, and I know you study all the different teams, has any team uh, really stood out 
in terms of not having a lot of positive tests. I don't want to say luck of the draw, but I mean, just just all of a sudden you look up and they've had uh, success with, um, you know, the fluidity of the testing and they're just not having a lot of guys pop with positive tests. You know, it's funny you should mention that, Dan, because uh, just yesterday, uh, James Click, who is the new manager of the or new general manager of the Houston Astros, was quoted publicly as saying, I believe the team that is going to win this year will be the team with the fewest number of positive cases. Exactly. And, and you know, I mean, it, it's it's sort of a talent equalizer if you think about it. In some way, I mean, the, the you know the Yankees have lost their closer, uh, the Braves have lost their you know best hitter, Freddie Freeman. So you know, there's going to be a, a definitely an impact this year. But in terms of your question, I think the Chicago Cubs are were the only team, if I remember correctly, that did not have a positive case yet. But still, they were impacted because the other day they didn't get their test results back from the weekend. So a handful of players, plus the manager, David Ross, had to sit out, couldn't participate in practice because, you know, the testing uh, mechanism is still not running uh, completely smoothly. And that leads me to this. We're in a camp right now. So essentially, inter-squad games and practices, is there a plan for Major League Baseball if this happens once the regular season starts? So say player X is going to make a start that night or is your starting third baseman, but yet his test hasn't come in in time. What happens in that particular city to try to get it done if the test results can't come back? Is there a a hospital or is, is Major League Baseball designated a place where that player can go get tested quickly so he can play that night? Yeah, one thing that's not going to happen is that teams are not going to, at least the Cardinals, and I'm sure others will be the same, teams are not going to shortcut or short circuit the protocol. Right. They're not going to try to slip guys in because they understand, you know, what's at stake. Now, when the Cardinals hit the problem with the testing back about 10 days ago, their solution was to contact Mercy Hospital and get a bunch of quick tests through there. So, you know, they had an escape valve that they needed. The other thing that I've heard, and I haven't uh, substantiated this, but I saw a mention of it yesterday that Major League Baseball may be considering opening a second testing facility because uh, the one has just been so you know overrun with all these tests, and it's, it's going to continue uh, as the season goes on. And finally, as Mo uh, discussed on the, the telecast last night, you got the second camp, the satellite camp, if you will, uh, down in Springfield. Jose Okendo essentially will run that over seen by uh, Gary LaRock, who is player development. Um, what are you anticipating out of that camp and how that thing will be run? Well, as, as Mo told everyone last night, they're going to run it like a triple-A team. And that was, he, he came into that sort of in the context of roster management in that players will move back and forth between the Springfield and the St. Louis club as needed. Uh, you know, it won't be the I-55 shuttle. I guess it'll be the I-44 shuttle. But but anyway, the, the, the point being that, uh, you know, they'll be, uh, playing actual games just like they're doing in St. Louis. Maybe not every day, maybe not nine innings, but they're going to have a, enough of a mass of players down there that they'll be able to have two you know, full teams and play games like, like we were able to see last night with you on the call. The question is, you know, what will be the amount of resources that the Cardinals can invest, and will they be able to have media access? Will they be able to have a, even if it's a single camera access? Because, you know, let's face it, a lot of folks are going to want to know about what's happening with those players down in Springfield, and uh, but, you know, it's not clear yet how that's going to work. What are you working on, Brian, right now at thecardinalnation.com? And I should tell fans, there is content at your website every single day. Well, the thing I wanted to call attention to today is something that I've been doing since the beginning of camp. Uh, as most folks know, after the uh, workouts or after the uh, inter-squad games each night, 
uh, Cardinals PR have players and the manager, sometimes Mo as well, come in and, and entertain questions from the media. And so what I've been doing each night is just taking quick notes of those and summarizing them for folks who don't want to listen and watch, you know, large, long clips. So you can come and read just the net points that the players or the managers are making. I'm also providing some highlights of the, the line scores and the box scores so folks can see those players who stand out. And that's a free uh, function on the Cardinal Nation Forum. Always great to visit with you on these Wednesdays. Thanks, Brian. Talk to you next week, Dan. Always great to visit with Brian Walton on these Wednesdays. And if you want to jump in, next segment, 65780. And that'll be our text messages, the Air Comfort Service text line, and drop me a Rhino Shield mic drop as well. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Air Comfort Service text line, and uh, we jump into those. Danny Mack watching the game last night. If Carlos is in the rotation, and number one, do you think he is? Who's the closer? That's a great question because at this point, as Brian Walton just pointed out, has not been an indication as to whether or not Carlos would be the closer. As Mike Schilt has pointed out, uh, he's done everything to be a starter, so still could be a starter. We just don't know. You could go with, let's say, Ryan Helsley or a... Miller, the left-hander who still could be the back-end guy as a closer. Um, It's up in the air. I mean, we just don't know at this point. Um, And I'm I'm all for it. I'm kind of just fascinated by the whole thing and how it plays out with these guys in the back-end of games. But it is fun to see how this may all play out. Rhino Shield, Mike Joppin, let's go to Joshua. You know, echoing everyone else, it was just good to see baseball. You know, familiar faces, up-and-coming faces. Like you said, Cody Whitley at Monososa. You know, I know you said it was a bear broadcast, but it worked. And I also wonder, how much do you think being on the radio every day for the past couple months actually was a benefit to you last night and and going forward? Um, Oh, and one other thing. Doesn't Mo sound a lot like Mark Saxon? (laughs) Don't know about that. Uh, As far as me being on the radio, just enjoyed it. Um... Always look forward to it, 10 a.m., because I enjoy just broadcasting, like being on radio, TV. Just seeing Tanner with a smirk every morning, as he's doing right now. I get blamed for the smirk. I, just, I don't know why. It just happens. Why do you smirk? I don't know. I, I didn't even you realize You knew you were doing you called, it, and you, you tried call, to turn. You called me out on it one day, and I didn't even think I was doing anything but wrong that day. But you are. I don't know why it happens. Come I don't on. know. I don't know. So I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the craft of uh, broadcasting. It's just fun, Josh. Um, it's what I do, man. It's just fun. Uh, Danny Mack, what was it like uh, going to dinner with McCarver? Um, better than the games. The games and the games I love doing with Tim. Tim's a he's a riot, man. He's a hoot. So if you missed it earlier, we kind of had a little um, dedication to Tim. If you missed the news in the paper this morning, Rick Hummel uh, reported it in the post that Tim has uh, said that he's stepping out this year. I don't know, you know, kind of the official uh, sidestepping of this year because of COVID. So his doctor told him that he should not travel to St. Louis, so won't be doing games this year. Um, Kind of a retirement, I guess, if you will. That's what... Essentially, he said to me yesterday, um, but I'd love to see him come back if he wants to do it. And we'll see. Time will tell. We'll see if we can work that out and we'll see what happens uh, after this season. God willing, man, if we can all get back to some sense of normalcy. And I don't think you would smirk at that, would you? I don't know. No, no. we all want to be normal. 
yes. uh, and get it back to normalcy and crowds and travel and all those things for next year. But Tim's the best. I mean, going to dinner with Tim, I remember one time in Chicago, we rolled in and uh, to a restaurant and um, and we sit down and and Tim said, oh, there's Scotty Bowman. Hey, Scotty. And Scotty comes over to uh, to our table. Scotty Bowman. And he's like, hey, Scotty, this is my friend Dan. And hey, there's uh, there's Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken gets up from his table. Cal, this is my friend Dan. And sits down, and we have a nice visit with Cal Ripken. I mean, you just never knew who you are going to run into with, with Tim McCarver. It was just unbelievable. It was friends of Tim, um, but just one of the great people that you'll ever meet. And um, and Tim, uh, you know, because of his age and because of COVID, they they just advised him not to travel. But he's he's feeling great, feels healthy, but just just taking the proper precautions. And I wanted to, to say those things about Tim because he is uh, such an important uh, important part of, of Cardinal history as a player and a broadcaster, and truly one of the best uh, to ever do it. Uh, Danny Mack watched the game last night. Loved the Mo interview, as entertaining as the game. And I understand what you're saying, what you're saying, because the game it's going to take some getting used to. I think for for those that um, were watching, Tanner, did you watch any of it? I caught up until the end of the Mo interview, and then I had to turn it off and go somewhere. Okay, what what were your thoughts? I mean, were you were you kind of enthralled by it? Were you like just taken in, like whoa, this is a little different? Uh, you know, it was a little different, but to me, it was just baseball, and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. I, I'm I've been kind of deprived of it. I've been watching some classic games, but it felt good to see some current players out there playing. So to me, it wasn't much of a factor. It was a little weird seeing some of the other starters behind them just eating and chilling, but. I, I had no problem with it at all. Yeah, it was kind of funny. You saw Michaelis just yeah. you know having a burger or something, and Wainwright was there, and um, so that you know they may as we go further down the line <clears throat> and get more into the broadcasts that you see on Fox, you might see tighter shots, you might see advertising of some sort, which would block some of the empty seats, that kind of thing, um, which may happen. I'm not sure. Uh, as we go along, we'll see what that's going to look like. Uh, as I mentioned before, you may have crowd noise, which you will actually have crowd noise being piped into the the stadium. Um, but we just wanted to to have fans see the games, which is what I think you want to see. You want to see Colton Wong and Jack Flaherty and some of the other players that you enjoy. So we'll continue to do that. And again, we're supposed to have an inter-squad game tomorrow. And um, when we find out the time and if they are going to do it by uh, – from the information I gather, they're supposed to do it tomorrow. And when we find a time, we'll let you know. And we're planning on doing it again at Cardinals.com. And when we find out, we'll pass it along. Okay. And uh, our first game on Fox Sports Midwest will be the game against the Royals, which is an exhibition, a couple of days or three days or whatever it is before the actual opener of the season. And that'll be the first one that everybody can enjoy on their TV. But as a lot of people do, they they stream it on their TVs anyway. So tomorrow it'll be the inner squad game. So I'll let you know tomorrow. We'll cross it over with Ribs and BK when we come back. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, the crossover on 101 ESPN. Okay, Ribs and BK, they're uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN. Um, 
You guys always have great guests. I enjoyed Enos yesterday from The Athletic. Is he... And I mentioned this on the, the, the broadcast yesterday on Cardinals.com, how analytics plays such a vital role in sports. He dives into the analytics, and people want to know why uh, the Cardinals are, are so much in love with Tyler O'Neill, or maybe Major League Baseball scouts love Tyler O'Neill. And he broke it down beautifully yesterday. He maxes out everything you love about a guy. He's strong. He's fast. He hits the ball, you know, to the next county. I mean, he does everything you want. Now he's going to get a chance to do it. So that's why people love Tyler O'Neill. I'm fascinated by this outfield situation at this point. Just absolutely fascinated. Like, I, I am the president of the Dylan Carlson fan club. Sure. And I readily admit as <laughs> I much. I get it. But I, it's become very clear they want to see what they have in Tyler O'Neill, And that's fine by me. I'd, I'd love to see it as well. I hope he becomes the player that they think he can be. But we're going to talk about this today. What happens if that does end up becoming the case? Like, this is a good problem to have. But let's say that Tyler O'Neill is exactly what they think he can be. Now what? Mm-hmm. Like, where does Dylan Carlson fit in then? Because they're going to have a spot for him. He's the future in the outfield for them. Does he then take Dexter Fowler's spot? Does it depend upon what Harrison Bader is? I think that outfield situation is fascinating to me early and late in the season. Yeah, get off to a good start. Have everybody play well. Then you don't have to worry about it. That's what they're hoping for. What's coming up on the show? Today we've got, I need to learn how to pronounce uh, her name, but Emma Bacilleri, I'm going to go with that for now. She's an MLB reporter for Sports Illustrated. Uh, She had some fascinating stuff on the protocols and the testing for Major League Baseball and how it's working right now, how it can work in the regular season. We'll talk with her coming up at 1130. I've got some questions for you about the broadcast last night and i want to hear some stories about tim mccarver from yeah. me so we'll do that coming up at twelve fifteen. and chris kerber on the blue season that is about to be right around the corner coming up at one o'clock okay looking forward to it ribs and bk that's next on 101 espn you have been listening to the tv voice of the st louis cardinals scoops with danny mack on 101 espn